Well, are you awake and are you thawed out? Amen. Is it snowing? All right. Are you living in a pressure cooker? I think Elizabeth put a, we, we just got a hog. We've never had a, we've been getting cows, getting half a cows and a quarter of a cow slaughtered. And you don't have to leave. It's not going to be too bad. But we got a, we just got a hog. <clears throat> Something about having meat in the freezer, isn't it? And she, and she's so excited about the hog. She got out the cookbook in the bed last night thinking about what she was going to cook on that hog. So what'd she do? She dreamed about the hog. <laughs> <laughs> but I wondered if she was going to put that hog in a pressure cooker. Is that kind of the same thing? Not really? No? Shows you what I know. All I know is I remember growing up and having roast, something that cooked all day. But are you living in a pressure cooker? You know, how how tense is it around Christmas? Anybody else? It's tense, man, getting all your presents, dealing with all the parties and children and schedules and stuff. It's a lot, isn't it? This morning, we're going to start to look at the life of Jesus and find out how he handled pressure. You know, there's a right way to handle pressure. And he handled it effectively. We know that we all have stress and strain. There's not a person here that does not experience stress. David Stoop in his book, Self-Talk, said that 40,000 Americans suffer from allergies. 30,000 suffer from sleeplessness. 25,000 suffer from hypertension. And 20,000 have ulcers. And all of them are stress-related. Stress is a killer. Literally. We were trying to get to Mount Juliet to Pete's basketball game yesterday. And because of everybody's schedule, we had the most stressful moment. Didn't we? It was stressful. Everybody going in so many different directions that half of us couldn't go. We were all planning on going and more than half of us couldn't go. Stress. Let me tell you, boy, stress will sneak up on you and something will slip out that you wish hadn't. Won't it? Sin will sneak in. I recently read that 75% to 90% of all illnesses are caused by the pressures of modern life. A few years ago, John Hopkins University surveyed 174 hospitals, patients, and found out that 140 of the 174 were what they labeled worrying patients. People filled with anxiety and they found that 115 had worries that directly related to their physical illness. And over 97, over half of them could literally point to the fact that their worry and anxiety put them in the hospital bed. Why worry? Was that you in the mirror this morning? Let me tell you something about your worries. 40% of them will never happen. 40% of the things that you think are so bad won't even happen. Can y'all see that in the back? Is that too small? Does that make you worry about the next one? Okay. 30% makes me worry about the next one. Are old decisions that can't be altered. 
You've got no control over them. 12% center on criticism, mostly untrue, made by people, catch this, who feel inferior. 10% relate to health, which worsens while you worry. And 8%, everybody say 8%, are legitimate. 8%, which you can do something about. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have a worry in your life right now? How many of you are sitting beside that worry? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Going from chapter 13 to the end of the book of John, you find pressure-packed verses. No place in the gospel do you find more stress, more pressure, more anxiety, more questions than here because these are the last few days that Jesus has before he goes to the cross. Not only is there more pressure and more anxiety in any part of the Gospels than right here, but also there's no place with more warmth and intimacy. John 13, chapter 1 says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, key phrase, Jesus knows it's time. He knows the timing that it's time for him to die and to depart from this world to the father. But then it continues on to say, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. For the disciples, it's pressure packed because they learned the most difficult lesson in life with Jesus right here. And that's humility. They're having to learn humility here. When Jesus washes their feet, what do they do? They have an argument about who's the greatest. During this hour, they also find out more about the death of Jesus and they find out they're not going to be supportive of him during this entire process. Talking about pressure and anxiety. Feeling the squeeze of life. And in chapter 14, they all ask these questions. That's what happens when you're feeling stressed. You start asking these questions like, what's happening? What about the future? And as the Lord hears these questions, he looks at his disciples and marvels. He says, I can't believe you've been with me this long and you still don't understand. I can't believe you've been walking with me, seeing everything that we've seen and you're still missing it. He was amazed what slow learners he had. I can I can relate. Then in chapter 15, he says, guys. You're going to be hated by the world because they hate me. They're going to kill me. And the bottom line is for you disciples, it's going to happen to you too. And by the time we get to chapter 16, he's talked to them about death, about separation, about being well liked. And now he talks about loneliness. The whole chapter deals with the fact that the disciples are going to be left alone. And that's why he sends them the Holy Spirit who walks alongside. He says, guys. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to be your comforter. John 16, 33, and Jesus is still speaking here. It says, these things I've spoke to you. That in me. You may have peace. This is such a huge verse, and I'm not really even reflecting on this one that long, but this one's worthy of time. 
All these things are going to happen to you, church. Thankfully, we do not live the lives that the disciples had to live. However, I think we live parallel lives. I think that we are going to have, if we are genuinely taking Scripture and taking the Word of God into the world, we are going to be ridiculed. We are going to be separated. We are going to be rejected. It is going to be difficult. However, in your walk, just your walk as a Christian and your walk in work, you have difficulties. You have things that come against you. Satan tries to get you, right? We've got all these things coming at us. And the Lord says, if you will remain in me, you'll have peace. These things I have told you, Jesus is saying, I've told you everything that's going to happen. But if you'll remain in me, you'll have peace. There is no reason why Christmas time can't be a time of peace. Christmas time is all a time about Christ. You want to know a pet peeve of mine? Xmas. I can't stand that. That may sound religious. It's not religious. It's Christless. It's laziness in that you don't have enough letters to put on your sign. I'm sorry, this is going to be pretty tough. Why not just put up Christ and leave off mass? Don't leave out Christ. Especially as a Christian, you can't expect the world to get it. But Christians, don't do that. I was reading some church articles where they were putting Xmas on their bulletins or whatever. Don't, don't do that. Remove something else. Don't remove Christ. In me, that you might have peace. If you've turned your Bibles there, underline that, highlight that. In me, Jesus says, peace comes from me. You're not going to get peace from your Christmas presents. You're not going to get peace from Christmas dinner. Peace comes from the Lord. He says, I am Jehovah Shalom. I am the God, your peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. What a contrast. You know, if, if you continue on in this verse. He says here, these things I've spoken to you, but in me, you'll have peace. But in the world, you'll have tribulation. Do you catch the difference? In the world, you'll have struggle. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, struggle. In me, peace. Because there will be tribulation in the world. But he goes on to say, but hang on. For I have overcome the world. Church, are y'all with me? Then he goes on in chapter 17, and we're going to go there in a moment because it's one of the first it's one of the first four verses that Jesus models how to handle pressure. But before we get to that, let's look at some reasons why Jesus had pressure. What was the pressure on him? Number one, he was misunderstood. He was misunderstood. I think that it could have been one of the heaviest reasons why we feel so much stress is that we are misunderstood. We are misrepresented. You know, Jesus's mission his motives were misunderstood. It seems every time he turned around, he was being asked questions that showed that the people never understood what he was there for and who he really was. The religious people who should have been positive toward him coming was not. In fact, they were the greatest ones to reject him. They're the ones that killed him. Can you imagine the people that should be supporting you Rejecting you. 
Does that bring on stress in our life? When you're trying to do right at work and your boss continues to beat you down. When you're trying to do right at home and you can't seem to ever get it right. It just won't click. No matter what you do, you keep getting beat down and it creates stress. The next one. He wasn't accepted. It says that he came into his own, but his own received him not. In other words, those that he would should have called his colleagues, the religious rulers didn't accept him. And he literally left heaven to come to earth. But the religious rulers didn't like him because he wasn't religious enough. Can you imagine? Next. Just like us, he experienced temptation. The temptation to take a shortcut and not go to the cross. Do you know that Jesus said, even out of his own mouth, if this cup could pass, let it pass. But your will be done. Your will be done. Satan came into the desert to tempt him, to ask him. Give this all up. And I'll do all this for you. Just bow down your knees to me. And I'll give you all this. Jesus was tempted. You think that you're the only one that's going through anything. You're not. In him is your peace. Don't forget that. Plus his disciples were slow learners. Maybe this doesn't affect you, but I've been, been, if I'd been with them for three years, can you imagine pouring into them and you're in your last week of work about to leave, giving them the essentials and they're not grasping it. You know, that would really upset me. If I were going to the cross and seeing where they were, I think I'd be pretty upset. For three years, they were hanging around with him and he gets down to the basics. They're all asking questions from left field. And he marveled and said, how long? You guys have been with me before you figure some of this stuff out. Next, he carried heavy responsibility. I was talking with my kids and, and my family, my wife. About how we have so much responsibility. Our families, your family. You've got so much responsibility that it creates stress. And everybody expects you to come through perfectly every time. Now, if that doesn't create stress, I don't know what would. The pressure of never being able to mess up. That's tough. But Jesus carried heavy responsibility. He had an incredible job. What was that job? To do the will of the Father. And to die on a cross. You may say, well, Jesus didn't feel that pressure. He was God. No, it said that he sweated blood. That he knew what was coming. That he knew how painful it was going to be. And that he wasn't looking forward to it. He wanted it to pass. But he always followed the statement with, but. What you want is more important than what I want. What do you want, Lord? Do you know what that is? That's being in him. Jesus was in the father. It wasn't his desires that he wanted. His job on earth was to fulfill the will of the father. 
Our job here on earth is to fulfill the will of God in our life. We do that, we will have peace. We will have breakthrough. Christmas time is going to be good. He carried heavy responsibility. He literally had the world on his shoulders. We think we do. We don't. Jesus did. The heaviness of the load. Next. Can anybody relate to this one? He didn't have much time. His time was running out. Everyone knows what it's like to be in a time squeeze. Something important to do with only X amount of hours to accomplish it. For Jesus, he was down to his last few hours without much time to accomplish everything his father had sent him to do. And this one might shake your theology a little bit. Don't let this bother you. But he left the job unfinished. Jesus completely fulfilled the will of God in his life as man. But everyone wasn't saved. When Jesus left the earth, everyone wasn't saved. And think how difficult it is when you leave your work and everything's not done. You know, at some point, you've got to walk away and say, I've done everything I can. I have done what has been asked of me and I've got to go. But there are still people that have not turned to him yet. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And seemingly the vast majority are not following him or his teaching. I'm going to wrap things up and we're going to look real quickly at how Jesus handled pressure. How do you handle pressure? How do you handle pressure? Number one. He knew where to go. Do you know that if you will, if your first reaction would be a right reaction, your next step will be a better step. How many knows that your first reaction when it's wrong, it just causes more problems? When we lose our temper, when we let things fly out of our mouth, when we make rash decisions that are not the right decision, we get to clean that mess up too, don't we? Church, are y'all with me? If I just completely ran off, that done R-U-N-N-O-F-T. I'm not going to tell you where that came from. You can figure it out yourself. He knew where to go. Church, you're going to leave here today knowing where to go. Knowing where to go and going there are two different things. You can know what to do and not do it. He knew where to go. In verse 1, John chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus felt the squeeze. So what did he do? Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven. His first turn was to his father. This is the son of God. Of God. This is the word. You don't need to forget Jesus who he is. He is the word. When the word was spoken. It was Jesus. This is Jesus as a man walking on the earth. And where his first turn was. Was to the father. Who did Jesus teach us to pray to? The father. I'll keep going. This is bizarre. Y'all are bizarre this morning. How many is looking forward to school being out tomorrow? How many of parents, does that stress you out? 
man, let it snow. I love the snow. We already prayed as a worship team that y'all will be safe going home. You pray as you get out of here. The Lord loves you being in church. Lord loves your sacrifice. And he's going to see that you get home safely. Amen. Jesus. If, if Jesus saw it important to turn to God first, how much more is it for us? How much more is it for us when your child is hurt that you turn to God? How much more is it for us that when you're battling addiction or you're battling sin that you turn to God? Jesus isn't even battling sin. How much more for us that now let me let me rephrase that Jesus did battle sin, but he 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 did not sin. Satan was after him. He just didn't give in to it. How much more for us that that are not Jesus. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna take it that you got that. He spoke these words and he lifted lifted his eyes up to heaven. But what else? How else did he handle it? He knew what he came for. What is he here to do? Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, just spit. Jesus said, the hour has come. In other words, he knew the purpose of his life. He knew that he was on the brink of the very reason that he was ushered into this world. It says, glorify your son that your son may glorify you as you have given him authority. He knew why he was here. Do you know why you are here? You have a purpose. Jesus knew that purpose. But next, key, he gave up his rights. You really want breakthrough? Give up your rights. You want breakthrough in marriage? Give up your rights. You want breakthrough in your job? Give up your rights. You want breakthrough in the kingdom of God and in your church? Give up your rights. Is that easy? No. It's hard. It's hard. Jesus knew that to effectively handle pressure, one of the first things he needed to do was give up his rights. To submit to the Father. Look at the latter parts of verse 2. It says, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life as, to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You must, he has given him all authority over flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Jesus gave up everything. Everything. Only two more and we'll be done. Number, number four. Jesus had something to give. He had something to give. In verse 4 he says, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to die. To do, I'm sorry. Thank you. He had something to give. When you were under pressure, when you were under pressure, nowhere to go. Know why you're here. You know what? When you're in the middle of something and you don't understand why you're there, does that not create pressure? Let me just give a quick shout out. Our group, that we had such a great group that went out and picked up trash Monday, and it was so cold. It was so cold. In fact, we had one that was borderline 
uh, frostbitten. It was so cold. Yet our goal, we knew what our goal was. And our goal was to pick up trash. You know, and when you, when you have correct instruction, pressure is relieved off of you because you know what you're supposed to do. We knew where to turn, and our goal was to just be salt and light, not to go and save the na- not not to go save our city, even though that's important. But that wasn't our goal that night. Our goal was to be salt and light in the community, and to pick up trash. We were there to pick up trash. We gave up our rights, which was to watch the parade. We gave up our rights, and we had something to give. But then finally. He did a good job. And there is something that relieves pressure from you when you know you've given everything you've got. And you have pleased those that are over you. You can sleep at night when you know. And Jesus knew he had fulfilled the will of the father. He had done a good job. Knowing you have done a good job. Knowing you have done all you can do that you have done a good job relieves stress. I was telling my son yesterday, and I'm going to close right here. Going to his basketball game. I said, know that at the end you've given it all you had. And that you've done everything that the coaches ask you to do. I don't care how many points you score. I don't care how many steals you get. I don't care how many rebounds you get. Did you give it all you got? And did you please your coach? Those two things. I'm sorry to put you on the spot there, Pete. But as our walk with the Lord, did we give it all we had? And did we please the Father? Let me tell you, you will have peace. When your family's coming in to visit with you at Christmas, give up your rights. Give it all you got. And your desire is to please the Father. And I'm telling you, you are going to have a wonderful Christmas. Wonderful. Children are going to turn back to you. Parents are going to turn back to you. I'm telling you, you think that you can't have breakthrough in these relationships. Well, let God have a try. Give up your rights. Know what you're there to do. And you're not there to show your rear end. Sorry, that's probably not a great expression. You're not there to show how great you are. Show how great the Lord is. Do y'all all know what I mean when I say that? Sorry, I'm not your typical pastor. Everybody knows that, right? <laughs> okay, all right. I don't even know how to take that. Okay. Why not have breakthrough? And why not start right now? Why not start right now? we talked about peace together and being in that pressure cooker. You know, when I see that pressure cooker, I know I've never had one of those before, but I know the risk of a pressure cooker. And I don't know if any of you guys know that much about them, but they, they're kind of dangerous and the top will blow off. They, they get so under pressure and that's what kept coming to me. And as, as pastor Paul talked about peace, you know, right now in the world, we have a, a lot of offers for peace. Um, there's a lot of peace signs and you hear a lot of 
politicians talking about peace and world peace. But you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, isn't he? And you know what that word means, that, um, that peace that Jesus offers is a state of rest, of quietness and calmness, an absence of strife or t- tranquility. And you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And when we know him as our Savior, we have peace, don't we? We have peace. And I want to read you one other thing out of Matthew, and it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And remember that yoke. Remember when Pastor Paul years ago brought that yoke where we're in one, our, our, our um, body is attached to one side and Jesus is the other. Take that yoke. Take that yoke upon, upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what Jesus tells us because he comes and he yokes himself with us to where we don't have to do this by ourselves. And so right now, I want you to close your eyes. And I don't want you to look anywhere around. I don't want you to look at your neighbor. I just want you to close your eyes and think about the Lord. And I want you to think about, are you in that place where you need peace? Are you in that place where you need this peace and this rest that Pastor Paul's been talking about this morning? This peace that only Jesus has to offer. And I want to know, while you have your eyes closed, just think about that. Are you in a place where you need peace? where you need help from the Lord. And I want you to know this morning, he's here to help you. He's here. And I want to say to you this morning that today's your day. Today's your day. If you've been walking around and you say, you know what, I don't know that peace. I don't even know what you're talking about. But that sounds good to me. And I want that. Can you raise your hand? And don't look around. Don't look at your neighbor. It's between you and the Lord. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else is desiring that peace from the Lord that comes from the Lord? I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're coming to offer peace. You're coming to give rest to these souls, to these weary souls. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Any other hands? Today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day. Don't let it pass you by. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Now let's pray together. If y'all will repeat after me. And right now we're just going to offer ourselves to the Lord. So, Father God. Father God. We come this morning. We come this morning. Desiring you. Desiring you. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. And have your way in our lives. And have your way in our lives. Let's say, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. Jesus. Jesus. We acknowledge your death on the cross. We acknowledge your death on the cross. And we confess any sin right now. We confess any sin right now. Let's take a moment and just do that in your hearts. Thank you. Thank you. Just confess anything that you feel like you need to come before uh, the Lord and just clear before him just confess any sin and you don't have to say it out loud but do it in your hearts right now now Jesus thank you 
that you died on the cross for my sins. Can you say that, congregation? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Cleanse me now. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. And I'll live my life for you. And I'll live my life for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you made that decision this morning for the first time, even if it was a rededication, I would love for you to come and tell us about that. Because you know what the next step is? is believer's baptism. And, and we're going to baptize. We're going to have the water stirring here next week. And that's just an outward uh, sign of the decision that you've made today. So you don't have to come up right this moment. If you'd like to come up this moment, that would be great. If you don't want to, come and find Pastor Paul or Pastor Stephen or myself or a deacon after, after service today. Thank you. Amen. As we, if y'all will stand up with me, we want to give you just a moment. If you'd like to step out and you need prayer, those that are ministering would step on out. We'd like to pray with you this morning. And it doesn't matter how large or how small of an issue that you may be having. I want you to know that the God of peace is ready and willing uh, to touch you and to come to your rescue this morning, whether it's health or whether it's finances, whether it's stress or whatever it is that you're going through. Step out as we sing. Amen.